Hello and welcome to Dopey, a podcast about drugs and dumb shit. My name is David, and I'm with Chris. Hello. You can't say hello. You can't say hello nicer than that. Hello, everyone. My name is Chris, and I'm sitting here with your co-host, David. Chris is worried (laughs) that he sounds stupid, and it might be true. But we need to get over ourselves in order to tell stupid stories about drugs. Right, Chris? That's right. I think everybody hates their voice when they hear it, but I have a strong reaction. I sound like a little girl, so... He acts like a little girl, too, but that's okay. <laughs> I actually really like my voice uh, on recording or in singing or in person. I think my voice is really good. I don't have this uh, feeling of inadequacy or, or insecurity around my voice. Around your voice, no. No, I have it around everything else. Just not my voice. Actually, I probably have it around my voice too. I'm just trying to. I'm trying to get my machismo up because this is our first episode of Dopey, the dumbass podcast about drugs. And Chris and I met in a very um, obvious sort of spot for two. And I have to say this first: Chris is a total bottomed-out junkie, alcoholic, drug fiend, cokehead. Yes, cokehead, crystal meth shooter, vodka shooter, fucking phenobarbital thief, and I am a drug addict myself. I, I've not really walked the righteous path, and we met uh, in rehab, which and is neither of us stayed sober after that rehab. Yes, although we're sober now. Yeah, we are both sober now. Knock on wood. Um, however, neither of us stayed sober. We were, we were, we met. Um, I want to say four years ago. Yeah, four years ago. 2011. Four and a half. Yes, in, in Connecticut, in a place called Mountainside. It was an awesome place where you did yoga and spiritual journeys and sweat lodges and such. And I wound up back um, smoking weed with an occasional pill popped and a little bit of heroin and Chris uh, ran the gamut, wound up managing a halfway house, right? I, yes, and um, I had a quick spurt of using that got immediately horrible. It was actually pretty funny. When I moved to New York, I started dating someone, and uh, Dave pulled me aside and said, does she know that you're a ticking time bomb? And, and that stuck with me because I was a time bomb, and I exploded. Although there hasn't been an explosion for another two years. She was super hot, though, to yep. Chris's benefit. I actually ran into them, and they were on their way to a sex fetish store to buy nipple clamps. That's not true. It is true. <laughs> it's totally true. Isn't it true? I guess. Perhaps. That perhaps. shows, like, that's really good. You yeah. know, that's an open, uh, free relationship revolving n- clamping nipples. In- yeah, and they were for her, just to clarify. They were not for me. See, I don't. I'm not into that kind of thing. <laughs> Neither were I. We weren't either. Yeah. I thought you liked that kind of stuff. Well, we tried it out, but it it wasn't. Uh, was nothing there. Was it too constrictive on her nipples? Uh, they were. They were. There was a lot of torque. There were a lot of torque. It was painful. That was one thing I I remember. Well, there you have it. Anyway, today we are going to discuss drugs. Um, or maybe we're not. We're going to tell stories about drugs. It's so funny to record a podcast and, and the timer's ticking on, on the garage band, and this gives me anxiety. Does it give you anxiety? Not really, because I'm letting you take the lead here. It do, that, this number's flashing by. It doesn't bother you? I'm just worried I sound like a girl. 
You do sound like a girl, but that's who cares? There's a lot of girls out there. I think we should look away from the screen. Okay. I don't think the screen is going to help us. I think it, it's funny because we're staring into the screen like there's an answer. Hmm. Now, I think, Chris, you should tell your story first. You want me to start? Unless you want me to start. No, I'll start. I'll start. So, uh, again, my name is Chris, and I am in recovery. I'm going to start. But that's start. totally unnecessary well, for the start. story. It's totally unnecessary for the story, but I'm going to leave We have that. no problem. Hold on. I just want to make this disclosure. If you are on drugs right now, I don't have a judgment call about that. Do you? Absolutely not. And if you're in recovery, that's great too. Yeah. This- and so, yeah, so I say I'm in recovery. Dare I even say recovered for those of you who are listening that um, are in the fellowships. But um, the point of this podcast here is just to focus on... The war stories, basically. Actually, we wanted to name it war stories. But, it should have um, been that war was, stories. That was taken. And um, Dave and I, we hit it off so quickly because we would tell each other stories, and it was really funny, and there was a, was a lightness in it. And, and most of the things we'll be, we'll be talking about was sort of earlier on when there was uh, still a little bit of excitement and magic left in it, although that wasn't the case the whole time throughout. So with that, I will uh, start with my little story. I have many, many, many stories, and this is just a silly little one to kick off our first podcast. I haven't told it in a long time, although I gave Dave maybe a little uh, truncated version last night. So I'm going to expand on that a little bit tonight. So story goes like this. I was in California. I was in rehab. It was my fourth rehab, a place called Impact Drug and Alcohol Center, and uh, very Spartan type of rehab. It's a therapeutic community. Wait, hold, for those hold, on, of, hold on for one second. Right. Did you say you're in your fourth rehab? Yeah, it was my fourth. I wasn't even halfway through in uh, the number of rehabs I ended up attending. So, I mean, that, that number got much higher quickly. Okay, I just wanted to say that's very impressive. Yes. So, my fourth rehab, this really strict place called Impact. Um, a lot of ex-cons there. It was a behavior modification model. Um, I remember when you show up, the first thing they do is they give you the five F's, which is no flirting, no fucking, no fruiting, no fixing, and no fighting. For those of you that are wondering what fruiting is. Yeah, what's fruiting? Fruiting is because there was a bunch of orange trees and people would have their drug dealers pack drugs inside oranges and lob them over the walls on the treatment center. So no fruiting meant we weren't allowed to pick up (coughs) the oranges on the ground because... They were nervous people were going to have their drug dealers. See, every, Chris has told me this before, but I, I always assume that fruiting is a homophobic remark about gay sex. Well, well there was no fucking, so... Right, but for me... They cover that. <laughs> but gay sex, because I might be... You know, I'm not homophobic. I got no problems. Yeah. However, it would be... I would just like it if fruiting was somehow a homophobic sex term rather than picking fruit. Yeah. So no. So was there any fruit on the grounds that was pickable? No, 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 no. There was no. There was tons of fruit on the ground, but you were never allowed to touch it. So no, no fruiting. fruiting. So why would they have fucking fruit at the facility? I don't know because it was pretty. I guess there's lots of fruit trees. It's very biblical, like the apple. Like it's the forbidden fruit. It is. I it's mean. fucking dumb shit though to have a fucking rehab with fruit and you can't take the fruit. It's pretty dumb. Were people ever kicked out? For um, eating fruit and they weren't getting drugs? I never saw anybody violate the fruiting rule or get kicked out um, for picking fruit up off the ground. So, so the answer is no there. But right. let's get to the story. Let me, let me, they want to listen to the story. So um, 
So I'm at this rehab, and uh, it's super strict. People are court-ordered there. The bulk of the people are court-ordered. And um, and I am just itching to get out of there. I can't be there. I, I should, uh, should let you know that I was on a bail. Uh, I was out on bail. Very large bond for um, robbing a veterinarian for phenobarbital, which is what Dave referenced in the beginning of uh, the podcast here. So I had to be there, basically. And Hold uh, on, hold on. You were in impact... From the phenobarbital story. Yes, I was on bail. It was a condition of my bail to be in treatment while I fought my case. Well, then let's just stop again. I think our listeners and me, I I need to hear the phenobarbital story. The phenobarbital story is, well, there's not much to tell because I was in a total blackout. So So please set this up just just for me. Okay. But I want to do the impact story, but we'll we'll do a one-minute real quick phenobarbital story. So... I um, I relapsed, um, and I don't even want to say I relapsed. I just started using again after a brief period of abstinence, and I took a lot of Xanax, uh, about 60 bars, for those of you that know At what once? a bar is. No, over the period of about three or four days. So, so you took 120 milligrams over four days. Yeah, and I blacked out for about a week, and during that blackout, I robbed a veterinarian. Um, you got to set it up, though. That story is so good. Yeah, it's good. It's good. So I robbed a veterinarian. I actually went into the veterinary clinic, and I told him my cat was having seizures, and I needed... Oh, hold on, hold on, please. Wasn't it, though, that you needed to get benzos? You weren't after phenobarbital. You were after more benzos, right? I probably would have been after ketamine. I don't know where phenobarbital came from. So, so let's, let's, let's just set up this thing <laughs> properly, because... Uh, it's funny. <laughs> yeah. As far as I remember, you were desperate for drugs. Why didn't you go to a medical doctor? I did. I got the I got the uh, the initial Xanax, the Xanax from a medical doctor. Yes. And then you ran out, and you didn't want no, a doctor. No, I shot? didn't. I didn't run out. It was just during this blackout. You decided you needed something else. I said, I guess I don't even know. I don't know what. <laughs> it was a blackout. Um, so yeah, I went into the veterinary clinic. I told them my cat was having seizures and I needed phenobarbital ASAP. Um, they told me something like, um, you know, we don't just hand out medications for the asking. Please fill out some paperwork and can we see your cat? Obviously I had no cat with me. Did you have a cat at home? I did have a cat at home, Smeagol. And, um... (laughs) So I filled out the paperwork, um, which was actually used in the court case with me because of how sloppily it was written. And um, while I was filling out the paperwork, I ended up putting it down and storming into the back and rifling through the medication and grabbing a bunch of medication and Well, was there out. somebody at the desk? There was somebody at the desk. There was a nurse and a veterinarian. Uh, I ran back. I knocked over the nurse and the veterinarian came into the medication <laughs> storage room and tried to stop me. Um, I got out, the police came, I struggled with the police and fought them and got a bunch of assaults on the police officers. There was a helicopter on the scene. It was a big, big deal. And just so you know something about Chris, he's burly. Chris is a, you're at least six feet, yeah, right? Six and, and he's broad. Chris is like a, a corn-fed, uh, uh, what do you call it? Uh, what's somebody from the Northeast? I don't know. There's He's like one of these Massachusetts like Protestant white guys. He's very big and broad, and, and I would be scared if Chris got 
Gravity. Except, I mean, everything is true you said except I'm Catholic and I ate cheeseburgers instead of corn. But, but you look yeah. Protestant to me. <laughs> right. To my Semitic eyes. I'm a wasp. Peter. Yes. To me, Chris is a wasp. But he's a big, burly wasp, so I would be nervous for him as well as any officers or especially veterinarians, nurses on the scene. Yes. and so I'm ba- saying he's imposing. <laughs> That's my point. He's not a little guy. He's a big, scary drug addict. But I'm a gentle person. Very oh, gentle. Yes. Very gentle soul. Like a lamb. Yeah. Which is why he talks like a girl. This is why I talk like a girl. <laughs> he's, he's a lamb. Oh, now I'm nervous again about that. Don't be nervous. Um, you sound terrific. Please, continue. I hope I haven't stepped on your story. Too. No, no, no. It's all right. Where are we at? Where are we at? Don't worry. Look at the clock. I said okay. don't even look at it. All right. 12 minutes. Um, so we're going to go back to Impact, the Spartan Rehab with the five Fs. So I'm sitting there. I can't take it. I can't stand it anymore. Um, and I had a friend run out with another woman. Um, and if you run out of this rehab with another woman, that's an impressive feat because you're not allowed to look at the woman. There's actually something called the sprinkler rule, which means you can't make eye contact with a member of the opposite sex for more than a few seconds. So the fact that these two people ran out hand in hand was a big deal. They basically just kind of eyeballed each other and then somehow communicated that they didn't want to be there and they left. It was a real Romeo and Juliet story. It, it was a real Romeo and Juliet story. So these two people run out um, and uh, one of them was my roommate. His name was Mike. And uh, a few days later, I decided to book it myself as well. Well, I end up meeting up with Mike and the other girl's name was Kat, I believe. And um, we are going around getting high doing our thing. And I have no money. All I have is an old tattered checkbook. And uh, I don't even know if they still do this anymore. Can I just say something for a second? Yeah. You know, I hate the name Mike. And I have no friends named Mike. My daughter's mother actually wound up with a guy named Mike. And when I hear the name Mike, I have a viscerally bad reaction. I have no friends named Mike. It's such a common name. And I don't have a friend named Mike. Well, the story of Mike doesn't end right here. And uh... It's just interesting. Please. He, well, but I'm trying to comment about your dislike of that name. And, and Mike is a complicated character who I've liked and disliked. I don't I like really Mike. Like him now. All right. You know? All right. Well you, might, well, you might not like him more after this. But actually, you know, there's really nothing. Anyways, let me, let me finish the story. So I meet up with Mike and Kat who have bolted from the rehab after I bolt the day after them. Um, and all I have is this tattered checkbook. And one of the things that uh, you used to be able to do, I don't know if you still can, I'm assuming maybe you can, uh, was you could go buy a few items at a grocery store and then when you check out, you could add money, you could pay with check and add money to it. So if you spend $15 on various items, you could go write a check for $65 and they would give you $50 in cash. So that's how I was supporting myself, that's how I was supporting my drug addiction. And this is a very good feature for any drug addicts with money in California. Or without money. <laughs> or, yeah, you can write bad checks and get cash. Yeah. It's, it's a classic dope fiend money grab. Yeah. Um, so I go to this grocery store, and they had turkeys uh, entirely cooked. So I bought a cooked turkey and a few other items. Uh, I remember a couple of those items. Was, was there any kind of flavor, barbecue, hickory, honey mustard? What kind of turkey was Not it? that I remember. I don't know if they have barbecue turkey. It's barbecue chicken exists. You've never had a barbecue turkey? No. It's delicious. <laughs> okay. I'll put that on my to-do list. Um, so, so I buy the turkey. I buy... I get Shorty DVD. I don't remember why. Have you seen that movie? I have. I like it. And I didn't own a DVD player. I was on the street at the time. So I don't know why I got a DVD player. 
a 40 of Old English OE, and a few other things. Go check out Riding in the Car with Mike and Cat. We get a little bit extra cash, and we're going to go cop. Well, we're at a stoplight. This is in Pasadena, California. Hold on, hold on, hold on. I have another question. Yeah. What are you going to cop? Dope. And coke. Dope, co- coke, and Heroin alcohol. and cocaine. Drinking a 40. And drinking, yeah. Okay. That was the trifactor. That was always it. Okay. Um, and so... And where would you cop from? Uh, they were getting it. I don't even know. <laughs> Who knows at that time, you know? Okay. <laughs> um, so we're at a stoplight, and I'm in the back of the car. I'm pretty buzzed. I'm already, I, you know, I was already kind of drunk. And um, I just remember Mike going, fuck you, and running out of the driver's side of the car. And then Kat says, fuck you. And she runs out and they both leave their doors open and we're at a red light. The car is, uh, is running. You Did know, they leave together? He ran off to the left and she ran off to the right. They Who ran had opposite the directions. Uh, we didn't, hadn't scored yet. Wow, they got mad before cops. And I had the money, yeah. So they got mad at each other over something stupid. Lover's and fat. they ran away, right? And it's a rental car and it's stick shift, which I do not drive. <laughs> and I'm sitting in the back seat drunk and they both run off. Uh, I don't panic. Uh, instead, I do nothing. I just sit there in the back seat of the car and wait. And people are honking their horns and driving around. This is a busy street. How drunk were you? I was buzzed. I mean, enough I remember it. You know, it wasn't like the phenobarbital story. Wouldn't you think you'd have the wherewithal to leave the car? You know, in retrospect, you think you would have done that. But funny thing is, a lot of the times when I was in active addiction, my actions didn't really correspond with reason and right. forethought. You're just sitting in yes. the back drunk. Nobody's in the car. <laughs> stopped at a red light. I remember thinking I should move the car off the side of the road, but it was stick. I couldn't do it. I tried once to drive a stick shift, and the whole thing just started shaking. So I sat there in the back, and the police inevitably were summoned, and they come, and they poke their head in. They're like, how's it going, man? And um, I get out. I talk to the cops, and I just I level with them. I said, look, uh, I'm from Im- Impact Drug and Alcohol Services, and uh, you know, I ran away, and... Um, so they decide, they just, they get rid of the car somehow, they decide just to take me back to Impact. They don't actually bring me inside, they just drop me off across the street from the treatment center. That's some half-ass police work. It is some half-ass police work. Uh, and so I sit there, and I'm like, I'm looking at the treatment center, I don't want to go back, you know, I just ran away. Um, and what I do is I eat the turkey, and you know, Dave and I went back last night a little bit about this, about how much turkey I actually ate. I thought I ate like three or four pounds. It's he, impossible. He thinks that's impossible. I work in a deli. <laughs> a pound of turkey is a lot of turkey. I don't even think you ate a pound. Well, think I think about how many when you go to McDonald's. Do you ever have a quarter pounder? Yeah. Do you ever have twelve <laughs> quarter pounders? No. That would be three pounds. No. But I used to get uh, nineteen McDoubles with cheese. Um, Nineteen McDoubles with cheese for twenty bucks. But I wouldn't because it was a tax. It would be under twenty. But I wouldn't eat them First, all. Time out. I, time out. What's a McDouble? It's a two patties on a... A double cheeseburger. A double cheeseburger, yeah. Where do they call it a McDouble? I don't think they still have McDoubles. I think they still call... McDouble? Yeah. Never heard of it. That's actually a whole other story. No, no, but this is very important. If you would eat 19 McDoubles... No, I didn't eat all 19. I would get 19, and I'd probably make it through about 12. 12. In the course of a night. Actually, so real quickly, the first time somebody... I shot heroin, I was eating those McDoubles, and I was in a chair, and this guy fixed me, and I woke up the next day, and I had a wad of gnashed McDouble meat in my mouth. Wow. And my whole shirt just had brown ring on it for me drooling. So I passed out literally with a wad of chewed meat in my mouth, 
and just sat there the whole night salivating. I could have could have choked. And it's died. a miracle. Yeah, that is your higher power working for you. Yeah, I don't think you knew that story. Did no, you? Yeah. it's a great story because most people would have died on said McDouble lodged in mouth. <laughs> most people that would have been the end of them, but not Chris. <laughs> okay, so I'm sitting there. So hold on, I, I want to say something else. I think. You might have had more turkey than I could have imagined because I can't imagine 19 double cheeseburgers. Yeah, so I eat three or four pounds of turkey meat. I, I'd, say, <laughs> I'd say two tops, but that's still a lot of meat. And so, mind you... you get sleepy from the tryptophan? Maybe that's why you stayed in the car! <laughs> I hadn't started eating the turkey yet. Oh. So I dive into this turkey outside of Impact, sitting across the street with my bare hands, just holding the whole thing in my hands, digging in, you know? Hold on, hold on. Are you holding a turkey in your hands and eating it like a watermelon? Yes. With your mouth in the turkey? Yes. I'm uh, just eating it like an animal. You're no. not just taking the leg off? No, no. I'm eating it. Like eating it like it's a... It's disgusting. Yeah. So I eat as much of this turkey as I can, and I drink the 40 of OE, careful to stay a little hidden because the treatment center is across the street, and I decide I don't want to go to treatment. I walk away, and I continue my run meet up with other random people, uh, Pasadena situated where there's like a bunch of these little sleazy motels. So I knew a few other people in the area crash on the floor in their motel until everything's out, checkbook's gone, nothing's left. And, um, I did what I'd done a lot and I call my family and say, please help. And really what I was saying at that period in my life was, uh, put me somewhere where I'm warm and I'm fed and whatnot. And, um, but the run, the run was Motel rooms, cocaine, heroin. Yes. And mind you... Um, and drinking. And I also had violated one of the conditions of my bail. So Which one? That you're shooting heroin? Well, that I was supposed to be in the rehab that I ran away from. Not to mention you're, you're, you're well, they committing a million crimes. Yeah, but they don't know that. They do know that I ran away from the rehab. Okay. So that's, that's happened. So um, I continue the run for a few days, and, uh, and then I call my family, and thank God they're the greatest. They... Put me back in rehab, even though I didn't have an inkling of actually staying clean and sober. And um, as we're walking, they had my counselor. My counselor from the rehab actually left and came and picked me up at the motel, and he drove me back to the rehab. And as we're walking inside the rehab, mind you, I look like a total mess, just, you know, like grimy, you know, my socks, taking them off. It's like peeling fruit roll-ups off. They were just, it was pretty dirty, you know, big beard, you know, just unshaven everything. And you're uh, saying you're taking your socks off? It's like taking fruit. Yeah. Yeah. You know, (laughs) so, uh, and he's taking me back into the rehab and we're walking inside and he turns to me, this guy, Steve, and he says, Chris, he goes, you look so bad. He's like, if you were out there any longer, you'd be eating shit like that. And he points to the same turkey that I was eating the other day that I had thrown on the ground outside of the rehab. <laughs> and I told him, I said, Steve, that's mine from the other day. You told him. Yeah. <laughs> what did he say? He started laughing. So that's the turkey story. But it's pretty granted, lame. There's... Granted. <laughs> yeah. A few days later, the turkey looked much worse. Yes, it probably looked worse. And I, and it, I don't know if he meant I'd be eating things like that off of the ground or, you know, I immediately... I'm sure his- if he saw that robust, <laughs> giant, delicious turkey that you were eating a few days before, he would have said, can I have a leg? This is a turkey for kings back then. Yeah. <laughs> but this, so, like, he was, he's right on the money, but at the same time, you know what I mean. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that's not really the point. But yeah. you, you understand my point. I do. Um... All right, that's the turkey story. It's a turkey story. Pretty lame. There's a lot more to come. 
Um, there's nothing there's nothing one. lame about it. Yeah. What do you, what do you, there's nothing lame about <laughs> the turkey story. It's a great story. It's a good story. I think it's a good one. All right. Yeah. Well, that is a... We'll call that episode one. That's it? So episode two is going to be you. Yeah. I mean, you know what? Chris is going to learn how to edit audio. And it's yeah. very, very exciting. Let's say this is the end of episode one. Write us. Dopeypodcast at gmail.com. That's D-O-P-E-Y-P-O-D-C-A-S-T at gmail.com. Yes, we, you can um, – we're looking for comments and we're going to start bringing people onto the show that have a good story to tell. And I think eventually we'll even have phone calls, which yeah. is going to be really – Cool. Yeah, and while, again, just to reiterate, while we are in recovery, you know, this is kind of about just the funny little stories and, and whatnot, because they are, they are fun to listen to, you know, and, and sometimes romanticize. Uh, yeah, I mean, like, I think, um, listen, for me, um, I'm so, and I have to say it, I'm so grateful to be sober, and I'm so grateful to be able to... Uh, talk about drugs you know like in a, in a way where I'm not feeling bad about it you know mm. it's it's not even euphoric recall it's just funny and me. I think that's why we got along because we felt safe sort of doing that with each other you know and sometimes you kind of feel a little judged with people when you sort of recount funny stuff that's happened to you yeah but also Chris <laughs> and I really get off on the absurdity because both of us like are like I mean, you wouldn't place either of us in a rehab or multiple rehabs or, like, I've been in, like, every public detox in New York City and four in Los Angeles, and you wouldn't pick me out as that guy, nor would you pick Chris out, so I think that's something else we have in common. Mm -hmm. Um, Should I tell my story or should we just be done? Well, what we could do is we could finish and then you could tell your story. All right, so peace out, everybody. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. If you want to buy... No, forget that. I was going to say I sell t-shirts on the side. No not? shameless self-promotion. What about, my, what about my web series? Oh, yeah. So people should know that uh, David... Hey, wait, 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 wait. Oh, oh David. <laughs> forgot about that. Maybe we shouldn't... We, we won't promote anything for now. Yeah. We're going to keep it like this, okay? <laughs> and uh, have a nice night. And if you're smoking... If you're doing drugs, enjoy them. And if you're not... Stay strong, my brothers and sisters in recovery. Stay strong. And uh, have a good night. Have a good night. Or a good day. Alrighty. Or the morning, whatever the case may be. Okay. Later.